Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Man, we're so glad you're here. Today is crazy. Um, uh, if you're wondering, how did this happen? Uh, well, be a portable church. Start plan a church. You'll find out. Uh, that's, that's what happens. Um, we are still in our series, It Gets there we go. It gets better, though. Okay, so how, I'm going to share that one more time before I introduce our speaker today. If you're like, Pastor Brian, we miss you speaking. Thank you. Tell me that to my face. But also, but also uh, come uh, um, next week, and we'll be back in normal location. I'm in the pulpit. Um, we have a guest today that I'm going to tell you about. But a few months ago, a few of us went on Thrive's very first mini-missions trip to Mardi Gras. And uh, no, we didn't partake. Um, we, we planted seeds, we witnessed, we shared, we led people to Christ, and it was awesome. Uh, I think, I think everybody from that trip is here today. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> so you guys will be extra excited. Um, but what we did, we, one night we went to dinner with our host, Scott Hinkle, and Danny, uh, his son-in-law, and we have this waiter that just was hilarious and awesome. And he just kept upselling us on everything. And he, he just kept saying, but it gets better, though. And then he'd tell you, like, this food's better. And uh, for nobody else, maybe food is just a supernatural moment for me. But in that moment, man, just the Lord starts whispering to me, it does. And I look around today, and I think, it has to. <laughs> it has to. It has to. We were literally, you, you wouldn't know this, but a few, the building committee and some of the elders, we were looking at a building yesterday, walking through it. Uh, God could open that door. We don't know. Um, but, and then the next day, it's raining, and you're in a house, and you're packing it in. Um, <laughs> God is funny. But it's also the moments where you're like, I just, I have to believe God when I got nothing else. It may not get easier, but it gets, that's all right. And God is good. So our speaker today, how many know and love Papa G? Yeah. So he has been a spiritual father to Wayne for longer than I've known Papa G, quite a bit longer, 20 plus years, long time. Now, Wayne p planted a church almost 12 years ago in New Orleans. Uh, they have, they, he, he, he gets this. <laughs> he understands what is happening here today. Uh, we have, he has been there, done that. They have been through it, through the fire. Uh, do you sit on the CMN board? Is that correct? CMN team, uh, which is the church planning arm of of the Assemblies of God and the fellowship we're a part of, and and an awesome man of God who I didn't get the chance to meet a few months ago. So we're super pumped to have him with us today. Would you please give it up for Pastor Wayne Northup? Well, good morning, everybody. Come on, good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm excited to be here. I'm uh, just uh, really, really excited. This is the first time I've got to meet Pastor Brian uh, in person. We've been texting back and forth, and he's a, just as much of a jokester via text as he is in person. Uh, and so it's a privilege and an honor uh, to meet him. 
And uh, I was just reminded as uh, I met him and as Papa G's been talking about him, I was reminded of uh, something that I read a while back on the internet. And I know it's true because I read it on the internet. And uh, and uh, I, I read this uh, little story about a secretary that received a phone call down in the south. It was a church in the south, and the man on the other end of the line called the church office, and the church secretary answered the phone, and he said, can I please speak to the head hog at the trough? And she was kind of offended uh, by this, and uh, she said, sir, if you're, you're speaking of my pastor, you can, you can refer to him as pastor or reverend uh, or even sir, or you can even call him by name, but do, please do not call my pastor, whom I love, the head hog at the trough. And he said, I'm, I'm so sorry, I just wanted to donate about $10,000 to the church today, and she said, hold on, I think the big pig just walked through the door right now. How many of you know for $10,000 you can call pastor whatever you want to call uh, pastor? In all seriousness, I, I, just want to, I just want to honor Pastor Brian. I have led through these kinds of moments. I understand what it means like to be moving and be portable and get rained out and then to be moving again. I had memories as I walked in from the, the car today of a couple Sundays that were similar in, in fashion to what y'all are experiencing today. And let me just say this. It's one thing to be a good preacher. It's another thing to be a good worship leader, which uh, I can't touch. My wife does that. Uh, but to be able to make decisions in the moment and lead through the fire and do all of that while you're prepping for a service to lead worship. Just got back from vacation. You go from literally being refreshed uh, to in a few seconds time feeling that burden and that pressure. Uh, and all of that that comes along with that. And I want to take a second and I want to honor Pastor Brian for leading us well. And leading us through this. We love you. We honor you. I believe the best is yet to come. It gets better, though, and uh, I'm excited about what God is doing. I, I want to just quickly, before I dive into God's Word, just tell you our story. Uh, I actually grew up in Indiana, Fort Wayne, Indiana, about three, four hours away uh, from, from here. And I went to North Central University in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And my junior year uh, at North Central, uh, they pulled me into the missions office and they said, uh, they said, you've been chosen to represent our school on this missions trip in New Orleans, Louisiana. And I thought to myself as a junior in Bible college, well, if I've been chosen, I should probably say yes. I found out later that they'd asked 10 other people that had turned them down and said no. I was number 11. Uh, and so I kind of got tricked into going on to this missions trip to New Orleans. And I remember arriving in New Orleans. I had never traveled really outside of the Midwest, let alone all the way down to the southern part of our country in New Orleans. And, I, and we got there, and the host, the college student that was hosting me and my best friend that were there that night, he said to us, he said, I want to take you down to the French Quarter and, and eat. And I, I had no idea what the French Quarter was, but he said eat. I felt really good and really excited in my spirit about that. And so I remember getting in the back seat of his car. My best friend's in the passenger seat. He's in the driver's seat, our host is, and he's driving us towards downtown New Orleans. 
And the closer we got to downtown New Orleans, all of a sudden I, I started to cry. Now, I didn't see anything that had made me cry. There was no reason I should be crying. As I tell this story all over the country, I tell people this is like totally okay and totally normal for a car full of ladies. But for three dudes in the car together, this creates an awkward dude moment. Because I'm crying, and they did what dudes do best when other dudes cry. They completely ignored me. And we kept on driving towards downtown New Orleans. And the, more, the closer we got, the more that I cried. We got out of the car that night, and they're actually ignoring me so well that they walk a couple feet in front of me as we get into the restaurant. We sit down at the restaurant. I'm crying so hard. As I order my food, I can't even eat my food because I, tears are just streaming down my cheeks into my food. I finally looked at these guys, and I said, I think God's trying to say something to me, either that or I'm having some type of a nervous breakdown. Either way, I think I need to go back to the car. I can't finish my food anyway. I just want to see what God wants to say to me. They both looked at me in unity and said, we feel like that's a wonderful idea. I'll never forget my walk back to the car there. I could take you to the spot in the French Quarter where it all happened. And I closed the door to that vehicle, and I put my head on the steering wheel, and I cried for three hours. I said, God, what are you doing to me? What is happening? And the only words that he kept speaking to me were, Wayne, I'm giving you a heart for a city like you've never known before. That was a moment where this Midwest Indiana boy all of a sudden had a transition in his heart. For the city of New Orleans. That started what I call my love affair with this geographical location that God was calling me to. And meanwhile, I, I began to travel all, all over the country as an evangelist. I went back to North Central uh, and finished up my senior year. And I traveled full-time for 15 years, speaking in 46 states, traveling 46 weeks out of the year for about 15 years. And that was where I got connected to Papa G, my, my spiritual father. And he said, bro, I hear you want to travel. And we got connected and he began to swing doors wide open for me and mentor me and help me. But I kept making these trips down to New Orleans. We started to take teams down to New Orleans. We took 12 people from North Central my first year on a missions trip and then 150 the next year and then 250 the next year and 300 the next year and we estimate around 5,000 young adults to have come through that outreach in 25 or so years. As we just closed that outreach 25 years later in the city in the heart of New Orleans. And many of us that were on those missions trips created a launch team that would literally parachute into New Orleans. I say it was like D-Day for Jesus. We literally just dropped in, uh, in into New Orleans. And we started with 23 people in a living room that was about half this size. I say that to say this morning that I believe in what God has done in our church, Saints Community, in the city of New Orleans. I believe as I look through the lens of faith, and how many of you know the lens and the perspective of faith is sometimes easier when you look behind you in the rearview mirror than it does when you look in front of you? 
And as I look behind me of what God has done at Saints Community in the city of New Orleans now with hundreds of people and multiple locations and everything that God has done with our own buildings and all of that, I, I understand that God is about to do something amazing here. And the lens of faith that I have for you this morning is over the top. Not only that, I also brought my amazing, wonderful daughter with me, 17 years old. Uh, we're actually doing college visits this week. She, she may be around here a little bit more. We, we took a look at Wheaton, and, and, uh, and so Libby, if you could just stand, wave at everybody. This is my beautiful daughter. Uh, come on, y'all. Come on. Come on. You can do better than that for my daughter. Thank you so much. Uh, she is an amazing believer. She is the best evangelist in our church. She has brought, uh, it seems like, half the youth ministry uh, at this point. And she's had students that are friends of hers that were witches that have come to Christ and dropped witchcraft and uh, Mormons that she's led to Christ at her school and all kinds of individual stories that that she has, but she's also sings. She's an amazing singer. She is very intelligent with a 4.5 weighted uh, GPA, and uh, and um, she also is an amazing preacher and uh, is headed to general council to preach. She's uh, going to be preaching the preview pre services at Fine Arts in front of 15,000 students, and she is. Uh, quite amazing. Other than that, she doesn't do much with her life. Uh, but I'm so proud of her. And I also represent my amazing co-lead pastor wife uh, that is actually preaching in New Orleans and two wonderful uh, boys, 13-year-old and 5-year-old uh, as well. We have made a decision uh, as of recently. We've been praying about it and talking about it and thinking about it, and uh, we have decided we like all of our kids, and we've decided we're going to actually keep uh, all of our children. So that's pretty amazing. As we look through this lens this morning of it gets better, and we understand the culmination of July 4th and the patriotic time that we are in, uh, in our country. And we also understand that our allegiance is actually, our first allegiance is to the kingdom of God first, to Jesus first. I want to talk to you about the kingdom of God and uh, we've been studying the book of Mark in our church for almost a year and a half, verse by verse. And I want to talk to you from Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 34. Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 34. You can look on your phone. It's on the screen. Wherever you want it to be, it is there for you. The Bible says this. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. 
with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. Let's talk this morning on the subject of small beginnings, small beginnings. Let's pray together. Jesus, I pray this morning that your word would be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. I pray, God, that you would help us, Lord, to have transformation in our hearts, in our minds. And Lord, the greatest fruit of this would not be, God, that this guest speaker came and said a few things. Lord, the greatest, Lord, moment of this would be that we have been with Jesus together. And because of that, our life would never be the same. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said? How many football fans in the room? Just raise your hands if you're a football fan. I'm, a, I'm assuming it's Bears uh, fans. How many of you Bears fans uh, in the room? Yep. And uh, I actually, did somebody say boo? Uh, Packers? Okay. All right. All right, that's a little surprising uh, to me, but we'll take it. Um, I actually brought a representation here uh, today, a picture of the best stadium and the best fans, and that's the New Orleans Saints. And, uh, and so there's a stadium uh, of the, the New Orleans Saints. And those of you that have been to a football game, you, you understand something that the, the crowd actually becomes part of the game. Because there's a moment when the, t- the other team is trying to move the ball down the field offensively that you will begin to start screaming as loud as you can. And the reason you're doing that is because you're trying to stop the other team from being able to hear and communicate with each other in, in offense because you don't want them to get a first down. Now, those of you that don't ex- understand football and everything I just said was like Greek to you, it's okay, uh, but just roll with me here as you begin to understand. You are literally screaming. If you are a good fan, and I am one, you are screaming at the top of your lungs as loud as you can. And in the Superdome in New Orleans, it's with 90,000 people in an inside complex. You literally can't hear yourself think or anything. You cannot even speak to the neighbor that is beside you because you are screaming so loud trying to stop this other team from getting a first down. And what's amazing are the moments where it works, and they call it a fan impact play. And you literally feel like they're getting paid millions of dollars to be on the field, but I'm the one that actually came into play and stopped the other team from getting that first down or scoring. The problem is there are many moments in the game where you're screaming at the top of your lungs and it doesn't work. And literally the other team moves the ball down the field. They get the first down. They score. The fans literally come to a hush. They sit back down in their seats and we all look at each other and we think to ourselves, well, that was kind of a waste of time, wasn't it? You know, I think about church planning, and I think also about your personal faith, and I think about that in comparison to moving the ball down the field and trying to stop the other team, which would be the enemy, from scoring. I think about that, and I think about the question that 
we ask ourselves, and you may not frame it this way, but we have all asked this question in our personal faith journey, and we've all asked this question when it comes to church planning, the question of, is this really worth it, and is this really working? Is it really worth it, and is this really working? Is my daily Bible reading worth it, and is it working? Is my coming to church worth it, and is it really working? Is my sharing my faith with my coworkers and my family, is it worth it? Is it really working? I, I'm not seeing the fruit that I want to see from it. Is it worth it? Is it working? Is it worth it to do set up and tear down every week and to move to not plan B, but to plan C? I think we're on today. Is it, is it really worth it and is it really working? It's a question that all of us ponder at some time, at some moment. But we're not alone because I want you to think of Jesus standing there with his disciples, 12 guys, and they're not, you know, we paint the picture of the disciples, these, these amazing men of God, you know, and we think of Peter and John and all of the disciples as, you know, oh, they're just, they were ragtag bunch of dudes, literally. And they're standing there on a dusty roadside in the first century in the Middle East. And Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. And they're going, kingdom of God? There's 12 of us. Nobody knows who we are. And you're painting this broad, grandiose picture of the kingdom of God. And we're standing here, Jesus, and our feet are dirty. And we're on this roadside. We don't even have anywhere to sleep most of the time. And we're, nobody even knows who we are. And you're painting this picture of the kingdom of God. What do you mean, the kingdom of God? What they're actually thinking as well is we thought the Messiah would have this warfare, this, this mighty fanfare as he arrived. And that there'd be an army that would arrive with him. And there'd be a, literally a revolution that would be started against the oppress, oppressiveness of Rome. We literally thought you were going to come with fanfare. My friends, Jesus didn't come with fanfare the first time, but he's going to come with a lot of fanfare the second time. Hello? They're standing there with no fanfare, dusty road, going the kingdom of God. Now, let me just define quickly what the kingdom of God uh, is. When Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, he's talking about the rule and reign of God in the hearts of people, both individually and corporately. So, in other words, the kingdom of God coming into the lives of his church. Hello? I know you know this, and we're reminded of it this morning. Watch this, y'all. The church is not a building. Hey, yeah. That'll get you excited as a church planner. The church is you and I. And the kingdom of God coming down into our lives. But the problem is that we doubt God's kingdom because God kingdoms, God's kingdom, is, is, we doubt it working in our lives because it seems to be unimpressive sometimes. It seems to be uneasy to understand or unfamiliar. And it's also unhurried many times. And let me walk through these really, really quickly with you because Jesus is describing how the kingdom of God works 
works. Mark chapter 4, verses 26 and 27, 30 and 31. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a, what type of seed? What type of seed? A mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Mustard seed. Let me get a few of these in my hand. I've got mustard seeds here with me today. And uh, if you could, I'd like for somebody to go ahead and get a picture uh, of that uh, mustard seed. Can you go ahead and get a picture uh, of that? Pastor Brian, you're being so obedient and so amazing and so honoring. There's no way you can actually get a picture of that uh, because you can't see it. It's in my finger right now. The mustard seed is right here, I promise you, but you, you can't see it. See, the mustard seed really is unimpressive. It's actually one to two millimeters, and it's not the smallest seed in existence. It's close today, but it would have been the smallest seed in the first century uh, with the Jewish people as Jesus is talking about it. They would have known that that is literally the smallest seed possible in their day. But this mustard seed, I want you to understand, grows into this, this thicket right here. This thicket that gets 9 to 12 feet tall, actually up to 16 feet tall. And this image of a mustard seed helping us understand that this turns into this. Hello? It helps us understand that what God wants to do in your life may look like this. I just dropped it in the house. I'm so sorry to whoever owns this home. Okay? Whatever God wants to do in your life may look like this. The church, even today on this July 4th special weekend with the rain and, and everything, it may look like this, Pastor, but this is what God has for Thrive Church. This is where Thrive Church is going. The unimpressiveness of the mustard seed is that literally these people would have seen people scattering seed in their garden on a daily basis. It would have been totally unimpressive. It would have literally been in our day and age like watching somebody make a cup of coffee. It wasn't impressive. It was something that they saw all of the time. And every politician and every great leader knows that the crowd is what matters, right? Like the bigger the better, right? Like, let's draw a big crowd. If we want to start a movement, if we want to start a revolution, if we want to have something big, we've got to start with the big crowd. We don't want it to be unimpressive. But how many of you know God's kingdom works differently than ours? Because not only is it unimpressive, God's kingdom can sometimes feel like it's uneasy to understand or even unfamiliar to us. Verse 27 says, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. Do you know that there's so much about the Christian life that is unfamiliar? Hello? 
that's uneasy to understand. If you're here and you've got everything figured out and you've got all the theology, I've got a master's uh, degree and I still don't have everything figured out. There's still so much I don't understand about this following Jesus thing. There's still so much I don't get. And if you want to frustrate anyone, especially a good old American, tell them to do something and don't explain how it works. Jesus is literally saying, the seed grows. And he actually says, but the, the planter, the one that's actually spreading the, ski, the seed, doesn't even know how it works. And that literally is the kingdom of God, my friends. A wise man once said that God is always doing at least 10,000 different things at the same time, and you are a mature believer if you can identify just three of them. Don't let what is unfamiliar on earth push away what is familiar in heaven. God knows what he's doing, friends. And just because we don't understand it, and just because we can't see what's happening behind the scenes, just because there's a, a lack of how does this work, and how are we going to get there, and how are we going to arrive, and what is, how is God going to do the miracle that I need in my life, and how is the church going to arrive where it needs to go, just because we don't understand that doesn't mean that God's not working, my friends. Because the last thing that Jesus really makes clear in this passage is that the kingdom of God is also unhurried. Oh, my friends, if you're like me, you don't want to wait on anything. How many of you are type A choleric people that lick, and my hand is the first one up, where you literally want whatever it is done right now? Come on, y'all. That's me. That's how we are. And God's kingdom is not always that way. Jesus says this, all by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. What we want is to do what little children do when they put the seed in the ground because they want a tree to grow out of the ground and they plant the seed and they stand there 60 seconds later going, where's the tree? God's kingdom doesn't work that way. Every farmer knows and it does help that we're on farmland even right now as we speak. Every farmer knows, many of you may be familiar with farming, that what happens is the, the seed is planted and then the blade breaks the ground. And then the full ear comes. And then the full kernel comes after that. Any. Anytime, the, the theme of, of our life, many of you that lifted your hands, the theme of your life and my life is, if it's slow, it's got to go. My kids even know. I get out of the car fast. I literally, when I arrive somewhere, boom, out of the car. I want to get in. Let's get where we're going. I want everything to happen overnight, quickly, everything. I remember when I was uh, taking the church planning assessment, Pastor Brian, they, they do 13 different traits uh, on you where they literally test you. They assess you to see if you're going to make it as a church planner. And, and I scored like astronomically high on 12 of the assessments. 
And the 13th that I literally bombed was flexibility. And I remember the, the guy that was doing my assessment, the pastor that was doing my assessment, he looked at me and he said, I just want you to know 12 of the 13 you've got down and we don't even need to talk about them. There's one area that we've got we've to talk to you about and that's flexibility. And I looked back at him and I said, well, the problem is most people don't have a plan. I've got a plan. And if you work the plan, the plan, what? Works. If you work the plan, the plan works. And I'll never forget the smirk that came across his face because he was a church planner. And I'll never forget as we were supposed to launch our church in August of 2011, and I literally got turned down not once, not twice, not five times, not ten times for three solid months looking for a portable location where we could just set up and tear down. I got turned down 52 times. AMC Theater, who says yes to everybody. Two of them turned me down. I'm literally like, God, how hard do you want to make this? Seriously. And Pastor Brian, I remember standing up in front of our launch team and looking at our launch team and saying, I know many of you moved here to be with us and to start this church and to make a difference and reach people here in the city of New Orleans. I have an announcement that may come as a shock to you today. I said, I'm actually going to resign as the lead pastor of Saints Community Church, to which many of them who had moved their families, wives, kids, looked at me and gasped. And I said, I want to introduce you to our new lead pastor. His name is Jesus Christ, and I am his associate pastor. I will be the lead follower of where he is taking us because I obviously by myself can't get the job done of where we're supposed to go. Why? Because... God's kingdom is unhurried. We want it now. We want God working now. We want to see the fruit right now. And somebody wise once said, his name was Ian Thomas, he said, above all, trust the slow work of God. There's an undercurrent, y'all. Come on. There's an undercurrent of what God is doing. He's moving and he's shifting and he's shaping and he's working this puzzle in ways that we don't even understand. We know that it took Noah 120 years. He heard from God and 120 years after he heard from God, it rained. Hello? 20 years after the promise of a child came to Abraham, 20 years the child came. Joseph, who, had, who was made a promise by God, waited 14 years in prison. Even as bad pastor as church planning can be sometimes, it's still not prison. Hello? I mean, every once in a while it has that feeling, but let's move on. Job. Waited 60 years before his faith was vindicated, suffering, suffering as he waited for God to vindicate his faith. Because the last thing I want to help you understand as our amazing keyboard player comes and starts to twinkle, not because it helps God, but it helps us. 
is that God's kingdom is unstoppable. It's unstoppable. It may seem unimpressive. It may seem hard to understand. It may seem unhurried. But my friends, it is unstoppable. Verse 28, again, all by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. Yet when planted, it grows, and it becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch under its shade. The word here in the text for grows is actually in the in the original language it's the word where we get the word automatic from it automatically grows it just happens when you plant the seed it grows it's automatic let's look at how god did it let's look at the history of god's church and how god did this The first thing you have to understand as you look at the history of the church and how God did this is you have to understand the seed. And the seed is actually not a what. The seed is a who. Jesus is the seed. There's all kinds of Old Testament passages that will help you understand this prophetically. Jesus is actually the seed that was planted in the ground. But we look at the life of Jesus born into a humble beginning in the town of Bethlehem. Moved to Nazareth. The Bible says repeatedly over and over in the New Testament, can anything good come out of Nazareth they thought it would be a warfare a revolution they they thought there'd be an army a host of people they thought that literally he was going to turn around the political oppression of Rome and that he'd be a political leader that's what the zealots were begging him to do and I still feel like we're fighting that battle today no born in a barn moved to an unimpressive city that nobody really knew about called Nazareth surrounded at this moment that he's speaking this passage by 12 rag tag dudes he takes that and the seed goes into the ground at the moment that he's crucified. And we're here today because of the next moment of the resurrection. And then that group of 12, I want you to get this, I want you to understand this, that group of 12 that was 12 people in Acts chapter 1. The book of Acts actually spans over the period of 34 years. And in Acts chapter 1, we've got 12 people, 12 guys. That number grows to 120 in the upper room. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, it actually grows from 120 to 5,000 in Acts chapter 4. By the time we hit Acts chapter 5, they actually stopped counting. 
because it was exponential multiplication. Small beginnings. Putting the seed of Jesus into the ground. What started in Nazareth and Bethlehem went moved to 12, moved to 120, moved to 3,000, moved to 5,000. And by the time we see the, the end of the book of Acts, 34 years later in the year AD, 200, 1.17 million people had become a part of what they called the way. 2,000 years later, here we are today representing a movement that one-third of the world's population of 6.9 billion people, one-third of that population of the world believes that Jesus is the only and original Son of God. All kinds of denominations, all kinds of representation, all kinds of people from all over the world, all kinds of nations and languages. But if you put us all into a room together, if you put the Baptists and Lutherans and the Methodists and the Pentecostals and all of us into a room together, we have one thing in common. We, we agree that Jesus is the Son of God and that He is the seed. That it's actually Him that we're planting and no matter what happens to stop this movement, immorality, the Inquisition, bad leadership in the church, the Crusades, persecution, a misrepresentation of Scripture, divisions, nations that have tried to stamp it out, dictators that have tried to stamp out the kingdom of God in the church. It never works. It just goes on and on and on and it gets bigger and it gets bigger and it gets bigger and people were freaking out in my church when the pandemic hit and COVID-19 and is this going to be the end? Is this going to be the end and the persecution that was happening because we couldn't get into our buildings and oh me, oh my is this going to be the end of the church and I said no listen Jesus said this in Matthew 16 18 I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it because no matter what the church faces it just goes on and on and on and on because God's in the habit of God grows small seeds into big trees. That's what he does. And so all I want to encourage you to do as we get ready to close is to adopt in your life personally and as a collective church what we're calling and what Jesus is calling the mustard seed mentality. What is, what is our job and what is his job? What's your takeaway for today? It's very simple, friends. And if you, the four of you that are taking notes, thank you. The rest of you, write this down right now. Your faithfulness to scatter the seed, meaning Jesus, plus God's forte to grow the seed equals a life filled with big trees. James, the brother of Jesus, who did not believe in Jesus, by the way, until 
Jesus raised himself from the dead because if you have a sibling, what would it take for you to believe that your sibling was the son of God? They would literally have to raise themselves from the dead. And James, the brother of Jesus, gives his life to God. He actually gets saved after Jesus' resurrection from the dead. He says this. He says in James 5, 7, and 8, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. What do we do? We just scatter the seed. God grows the trees. What do we do? We scatter the seed. What do we do, church? What do we do? I'm asking, what do we do? We just scatter the seed. I'm trying here. We just scatter the seed. We got to do things like remove obstacles when we're scattering the seed, like fans and stuff. That was a joke. It's okay. We just scatter the seed. It's what we do. It's our job. We just scatter the seed. How do you do that, Pastor? You just faithful. You just faithful. How do you live the Christian life? You're just faithful to scatter the seed. Just faithful. I just wake up in the morning and I'm faithful. I'm just going to keep scattering seed. Why? Because I'm what? That's what my only job is to just be faithful. Some days it's really good and things are going really well and it looks like my life is really winning and God is growing the fruit in my life. The tree is getting big and on those days it's pretty easy to be what? But then there's days you wake up and you don't really feel it. You get out of bed and there's no angels singing in the bedroom and no worship song going in your head. You're exhausted and what you see in your life isn't working and you just wake up and what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? Scatter the seed. You're just faithful. Faithful. Faithful on the good days. Faithful on the bad days. You're just faithful. Sometimes you're on a volunteer team at church. Some weeks it's really amazing. There's somebody that comes in. There's a guest that gives their life to Christ and their life has changed. And then other weeks that there are no stories. You're just what? You're just faithful. Faithful to do what? Who's the seed? Just Jesus. We're just scattering the seed because some days everybody on your volunteer team texted you on that Sunday morning, said that they weren't going to be able to make it. They had all kinds of reasons and excuses, and we've just got to be what? Faithful, 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 faithful. Faithful, faithful, faithful. All we do every day is wake up and we are what? Faithful, faithful on the good days, faithful on the bad days, faithful 
when we're unimpressed, faithful when it's hard to understand, faithful when the kingdom of God is unhurried. God has just called us to be what? What? Faithful, 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 faithful. Years, faithful, 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 faithful. No building still, Pastor Brian. Faithful, 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 faithful. Well, we have a plan. Even though we've been kicked out of our facility for July 4th weekend, it's okay. We're going to meet under a tent in a farm. That didn't work. Okay, faithful, 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 faithful. Now we're in a house. Faithful, 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 faithful. Faithful, faithful. At least I didn't have to preach this week. At least some loud dude from New Orleans was coming in. Faithful, 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 faithful. Man, I'm not even feeling it today. I don't even know. God, are you doing anything? God, I'm just being what? Faithful, faithful, faithful for months, for years. This is what Jesus has called us to as his church. We are just faithful, 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 faithful. Scatter the seed, faithful. You know what impressed me today? What impressed me today is that pastor and the entire team did not dwindle down the service because we were in a house. They turned the TV on. There's excellence. They still doing the PowerPoint. They had a full worship team. The announcement speaker did the announcements just as if they were in a building. Why? Because it doesn't matter the size of the crowd. We're just called to be what? Faithful, 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 faithful. Are y'all tired of me doing this? I think you are at this point. And that's really how it feels, isn't it? It really becomes annoying. Literally, like, really annoying. Like, we're annoyed with you right now, Pastor Wayne. Like, faithful, 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 faithful. And we're faithful, 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 faithful. There's a few people that are mad. I can tell by your faith. Faithful, 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 faithful. Don't look at your watch. I'm coming to a close. Faithful, faithful, faithful. Because what happens is as we scatter the seed, we're just faithful. And all of a sudden, one day we look up and boom. Whoa. What is that? That's, it's, it's not big, but it's movement. God's doing something. God's doing something, Pastor. God's doing something, church. And so, it might not look like much, but it encourages us. It was a good Sunday. It was Easter. Yes, God's moving. Okay, we got to get back to faithful, 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 faithful. Faithful, let's keep being faithful. Faithful, 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 faithful. Faithful, 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 faithful. Faithful, faithful. Just scattering the seed of Jesus. Faithful, faithful. And all of a sudden, we look up one day, and God says, look, look what I'm doing. Look what I'm doing. It's growing. Come on, y'all. It's growing. I'm going to produce fruit. This is my job. I'm the one that grows the trees. You just keep scattering the seed. Faithful, faithful, faithful. Man, that looks really good. Now we're now we have some money in the bank. That's amazing. Yeah, almost 200 grand, 178. Yes, let's just keep being God's working. He's doing faithful, 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 and then all of a sudden God says, "Hey, look what I'm doing. Just keep being faithful because I am growing what you don't even know I'm growing underground." Come on, y'all. 
God's just called us to be faithful. Scatter the seed because the kingdom of God is all about us just planting the seed and watching God grow his kingdom. How do I do that? I'm glad you asked as we close. We spread the seed of Jesus by making him the center of your marriage, by making him the hero of your home, by constantly teaching your kids how to follow him, by inviting people to church, by sharing your faith story with your coworker, by serving him in your local church as a volunteer so others can experience him, by spending time with him daily, reading, reading your Bible and in prayer, by being a part of multiplication of his church, by your tithe and your generosity and your offerings to sow seed here and then around the world, by coming to a small group to learn about him and spread the seed to others because here's what I want you to understand and this happens in many Christ followers lives when you stop sowing God's kingdom in your life stops growing as soon as the grain is ripe Jesus said he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come and then he goes on in verse 32 to say, yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch on its shade. The birds in this particular passage are representative of the nations that can come and perch on the kingdom of God, the tree of the kingdom of God. What started out with 12 dudes on a dusty roadside in the Middle East with them going, we don't even understand what you're saying, the kingdom of God. Nations have come into God's kingdom all around the world. God's just called us to spread the seed of Jesus and to be what? Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. Yeah.